109. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right. So basically, you know, last time we were talking about the defilement of the temple by the people of God. So the people of God were worshiping idols in the place where they were supposed to worship Yahweh inside of his temple. They came outside of the temple and did the exact same thing. So in chapter nine, we have one of the more graphic scenes in the entire book. So Ezekiel uh, is going to talk about here, you know, the slaughtering, right? And the wrath of God that has come on those corrupt people, right? But he also says this, pass throughout the city of Jerusalem, the Lord said to him, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the detestable practice practices committed in it. So the light we see in such of the, uh, the midst of such a dark and gruesome section of scripture is that God marks out those who have been faithful, right? Those who have been his, they will be spared or delivered from this looming judgment and this points backwards and forwards in the biblical narrative so remember the book of exodus right where god goes and says man i'm going to kill all the firstborns throughout the land of egypt but israel if you put blood on your doorpost you'll be what passed over so they were marked out to be passed over you go to the book of revelation where god uh says the 144,000 will have seals on their foreheads and they will not experience the end time judgment that God is going to bring. And so we know all throughout the Bible, yes, God is a just judge. And this passage attests to that, but also he's a faithful God as well. He's a faithful God that just wants his people to trust in him and they will not experience his judgment, but they will experience his favor. So he'll say this, the iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is extremely great. <clears throat> the land is full of bloodshed and the city full of perversity for they say the Lord has abandoned the land. He does not see as we talked about before, the people were walking in darkness, right? The text says that. And ironically, they thought the Lord would never find out about their secret wickedness. However, just because this was the case, didn't mean that God wasn't eventually going to bring their sin to light. God always takes what's in happening in darkness and brings it to the light, right? And so he does that here. And, um, you know, the things that the people of God were doing in secret didn't stay a secret, right? God exposes it, exposes it. Um, and so chapter 10 comes and yeah, following on the heels of that, Man, God is doing exactly what he said he would do, right? So last time we talked about how God was so fed up that he said, yo, man, I can't even, I can't stay here, bro. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't stay in this temple, right? Um, and so he prepares to leave here and he starts to do that as well in this text. And then what's amazing about this text is that to catch the total significance of Ezekiel 10, we have to remember 1 Kings, right? 1 Kings 8, after Solomon built the temple, it was filled with this cloud, God's cloud, this cloud and God's glory presence, right? And that same imagery here of the cloud and the glory presence is not seeing filling the temple, but leaving, right? So to say this, then the glory of the Lord moved away from the threshold. 
of the temple and stopped above the cherubim. The cherubim lifted their wings and ascended from the earth right before my eyes. The wheels were beside them as they went. The glory of the God of Israel was above them. And it stopped at the entrance to the eastern gate of the Lord's house. Here, the majestic glory presence of God is preparing to depart. So a few things we can learn. One, which is not heavily apparent in the text, is the idea that, man, God is universal, right? He's the God of the cosmos. And so in the ancient Near East, gods were usually tied to and confined to specific geographic locations. And I've said this before, but Egypt, they worship certain gods in Egypt, right? Babylon, Canaan, Philistia, all these different places in their specific region of the earth was where they worship that God and not necessarily in other places. However, this text shows us that God is not uh, bound to a building, right? Or a particular place, right? And that's good news for us because one, it says, yo, nobody can domesticate the presence of God, right? So no tribe, no specific church, no denomination has the market cornered on who God is and where he is, right? But it also means that, yo, like he can meet us right where we are, no matter where we are, right? That's the good news of who God is. He is omnipresent. But also, God's presence, um, you know, was an indication of his favor, right? So this text will show us, like, man, God's absence in this sense is an indication of his displeasure and his rejection of his people. So, uh, you know, Ezekiel 11 comes and God is continuing to talk about these things. And he's going to speak of, you know, this vision uh, that is given to Ezekiel where he's talking about the leaders in Israel. Um, so he says this, the Lord said to me, son of man, these are the men who plot evil and give wicked advice in this city. So once again, yeah, God hates sin. We know that, of course. But God really hates when sin is on the hands of of those with power. He hates when power is not stewarded well to serve, but is abused to oppress and lead astray. So he's going to indict the leaders. Um, and in, in light of all of this, in light of all of these things that Ezekiel is seeing and hearing, he's like, man, I fell face down and cried out loudly. Oh, Lord God, you are bringing the remnant of Israel to an end. Right. It seems like God is doing away with his people in totality. And after Ezekiel said, says this, God gives a promise of restoration that we will see show up again and again in the book. And he says this, I will give them integrity of heart, talking about his people and put a new spirit within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their bodies and give them a heart of flesh so that they will follow my statutes, keep my ordinances and practice them. They will be my people and I will be their God. The famous promise of God sending his spirit, God giving us new hearts, God enabling obedience in his people, us belonging to him and him belonging to us. And this covenantal love relationship we were always meant to have with God will become a reality through the finished work of Christ. That's what Ezekiel is pointing to. That's what the Bible is really pointing pointing to the finished work of God in Christ and his death, burial and resurrection. And it accomplishes these beautiful truths 
in Ezekiel 11. So in other words, and Ezekiel probably didn't know this, but the solution to the problem he's seen, he'd have to wait 600 years. The people of God would have to wait 600 years to the person of Jesus comes and provide this change from the inside out. Ezekiel 12. Ezekiel is going to return back to this theme of exile and he's going to act out the exile. Again, remember in the prophets, they perform what is called prophetic synax, where they basically act out their message. And he acts out his exile. He gets his bags ready <clears throat> as if he's leaving his crib just to show the people who got like, yo, it's going to be a wrap for y'all. This is what I'm going to do. And then he also acts out the anxiety that will come upon Israel and that what they would have as well. And these acts, again, were meant to lead the people of God to repentance. They were meant to tell them of what's going to happen and to invoke a response in that moment. And man, we think about, again, Christ and how he performs the greatest prophetic sign act that wasn't just symbolic like Ezekiel and them, right? It wasn't symbolic, but it was real, right? And he has this act where he goes to the cross and he dies to indicate that God is judging Israel, right? And that very act is supposed to lead people to repentance. And that very act worked because if you're listening to this and you're a Christian, it led you to repentance, right? And what God's going to say here is he's like, yo, man, Israel is blind, Right. They have blind eyes and deaf ears. And we've talked about that before just to say that, yo, basically their heart is hard. They can't hear me and they can't see what I'm doing in your day. And, um, you know, I want the people to hear me. I want them to see. Right. And so uh, when we don't see and when we don't hear what God is doing, it's an indication of the posture of our heart. And Ezekiel is just saying that God is judging his people. Because they are unresponsive to the work he's trying to do in their day. May that not be true of us because of what God has done for us in Christ. And because of his spirit in us that testifies to his work. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for your love. I ask that um, you help us to remember the cross today. The greatest prophetic sign act that wasn't just symbolic, but actually accomplished our salvation. May you make that real to our hearts today, just as real today 